Beautiful. Thank you. Good morning, friends. Welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church on this sixth Sunday after Pentecost. My name is Uyan. I'm one of the pastors here. So grateful that we can gather in person and online to worship and praise our God together as a family of God. Uh, just a quick reminder, especially for those of you who are relatively new or if you're a first-time visitor, please let us know of who you are so that we may pray for you and let you know the ministries of our church. There are a couple of different ways you can do this. There's a physical hospitality pad at the end of your pews. Uh, there's a QR code at the back of your bulletin that you can use your cell phone, smartphones to, to let us know of who you are. And there's a little link for those of us worshiping online virtually where you can let us know of how we can be in prayers for you. I'm so grateful to be joined by my friend and colleague, Pastor Taylor. What else should we know today? Good morning. It's so good to see you all in worship. Uh, as always, we want to encourage you to check out what's happening in the bulletin. Um, one of the things we want to draw your attention to is, this is very far out, but it's still important, is the Merry Midsummer Market. So for the summer, we're trying to get ready for Christmas so that we can continue to be a source of abundance and goodness within our community through that ministry. And we, hopeful, we are hopeful that you can use your time this summer to help us in that. So please look into that. Another thing we want to celebrate today, I'm sure every Sunday you notice that we have beautiful flowers. Uh, we wanted to draw attention to these flowers because they were given as a gift to our head usher, Jerry Brady, who is celebrating 25 years of being an usher in our church, which is such a beautiful gift of ministry to our church, but it's also a reminder of the ways in which you could say yes today to being a part of a ministry like that. We have greeters, we have ushers. There are ways for you to serve our church um, and to just be an act of hospitality to those you're worshiping with. So we um, encourage you to ask God if that may be something God is calling you to. Um, and we also give thanks for people like Jerry and all of our ushers who serve so faithfully every Sunday. Let us continue in worship together.
Church, I encourage you to join me in our Apostles' Creed as we join our voices and remember what we believe together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. in the service, we pray our prayer of confession together. We remember our brokenness and our desire for growth as a community. Let us pray together. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Church, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The epistle reading is Romans chapter 7, beginning with the 15th verse. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. So then it is no longer I that do it, but the sin which dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind 
and making me captive to the law of sin, which dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I of myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As Paul writes, verse 15 onward, I do not understand my own actions, for I do, I do what I do not want to do, but I do the very thing that I hate. I can wish what is right, but I cannot do it, for I do not do the good I want, but evil I do not want is what I do. How about you? When I read passages like this from people like Paul, I've got to ask myself, is Paul being too hard on himself? Yeah, maybe he's being just too critical, too harsh. Maybe he needs to exercise some self-love. I certainly hope so. Because if Paul feels this way, I don't know what that says about me or any one of us. Uh, Paul is the one, more than just about anybody, who knows the law, front and back, inside and out. Much like John Wesley, the founder of United Methodist Church, the Methodism movement. John Wesley is well known for a multitude of things. He's notorious for keeping a meticulous journal of his everyday life. He would write down every single one of his actions and all the thoughts. He wrote down every uh, note of thoughts that he would have throughout the day. He would do this for a multitude of reasons, one of which is he wanted to self-examine and self-reflect to see the sins that, his, the sins that he had committed on that day so as to go on toward perfection, to honor and glorify God. Yet here we are, Paul writes what he writes about doing the very things he wished not to do. So is Paul simply talking about X's and O's of the law, like to-do list of the law? Is he saying there are things that I know that the Bible tells me to do, but I can't do them? What a sinful body. Maybe that's partly true. I think all of us can relate to that to some degree. But beyond knowing that we should do A, B, and C, all the while ending up doing D, E, and F, Paul's speaking to something more deeper. In certain ways, something more insidious. Paul's speaking to an invisible yet a very clear limitations when it comes to what we do as human beings with good intentions and the dissonance that is still there in the aftermath, uh, the dissonance in between. I know dissonance quite well uh, in my own life. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story from when I was a first grader. That was when I first tried to ask a girl out on a date, first grade. I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time, but in retrospect, that's exactly what I was doing. There was this girl in first grade. I don't remember what she looked like at all, and I certainly don't remember her name. I just remember wanting to ask her out, tell her that I liked her, and I, whatever first graders do. So uh, it took an eternity for me to work up the courage. I thought of all the details, figured out what I was going to say, body movements, you know, facial gestures, thought of all these things. The, the fateful day finally came. I, I walked toward her to, to tell her that I liked her, and this is what I ended up doing. I punched in the arm really hard. I told her, you're it, and I ran the other way. 
There was not a second date. <laughs> I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but the very things that I hate, I do. I wish I could tell you that first grade was the first and last time where such dissonance existed in my life. Far from it. Many times over since then, even to this day, there are days and moments and seasons where I know that I should do A, B, and C and end up doing D, E, and F. There's dissonance between what I desire and what I do. There's dissonance between my initial direction and where I eventually end up. There's dissonance between the ways in which I want to love those around me and how that love is wrongly perceived by the very ones whom I love. There's dissonance between my desire, sincere desire to care for people, and how despite that desire that I've caused harm in the very same people that I wish to care for. Can you relate to any of this? Yeah? You know, I gotta tell you, to be honest, as a parent, this is all the more evident. Yeah? As a brother, as a son, as a member of the community of faith, this is all the more evident. Dissonance persists. Paul would write that the root of such dissonance in our lives, the problem does not lie necessarily in weak, in weak willpower or lack of self-knowledge, knowing the law and doing the law. Paul would say that that's not the primacy of our problems and issues here. The problem, Paul would argue, is none other than sin. Sin. The sin that Paul describes is not only our foolish behaviors and our faults and our mistakes. Paul would argue that despite our good behaviors, good intentions, and everything else in between, sin persists. And sin can take that which was meant to be good and thwart it for its own purpose. And Paul would know this dissonance quite well in his own life. Paul, before he became Paul, was Saul. And Saul was known throughout the land, notorious, particularly amongst the Christian people. Why? Because he was one of the main persecutors of the Christian church. He was an expert persecutor of Jesus' disciples, yes? In fact, uh, in the walk to Emmaus, as Paul was struck blind, well, he was still Saul at the time, God calls upon Ananias to heal, be an instrument of healing for Saul, and Ananias is hesitant. Why? Because Ananias knows that, God, this is a man that's been killing your people. Why are you calling me to heal Saul? And why did Saul do what he did? Was it out of malicious intent? No, far from it. Saul, Paul, Apostle Paul, persecuted Christians in the name of God, in the name of following the laws of God, in his sincere desire to uphold the laws of God, he persecuted Christians. Knowing his own stories quite well, Paul writes these words, 
as he reflects upon his dissonance that persists to this day, he says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he answers that very question in the very next verse. He writes, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul would suggest to you and to me that we cannot resource ourselves from our sins. Paul says more self cannot heal the distorted version of the self. Uh, to put it another way, self-centeredness cannot be healed through more self-assertion. When self is the problem, more self is not the answer. But instead, we need help. We need a Messiah. We need Jesus. What will help us? Grace. God's grace. God's undeserved grace for us. Let me just pivot a little bit here uh, from our text, just a little bit. God is the source of our grace. And as we share many a times in different places in the life of the church, you and I, we are hands and feet of Christ. We are called to be the instrument of God's good news, God's grace upon the world upon those around us, near and far. But as we just read, as Paul confesses, as I also would confess in reflection of my life, uh, we fail to be perfect conduits of such grace. In honest reflection, through much prayer, I re-examine my life quite often, even to this day. Shucks, last week even. And I see so clearly that despite my honest, good, well-intended efforts, first of all, I don't always mean well either, right? And sometimes I mean harm. Yeah, I'm a fallen creature after all. But more often than not, I do, I do mean well. I really do. And despite my sincere efforts and desire to do good, to be an instrument of God's grace in God's world, more specifically to people that I deeply desire to love. It's so clear that I've fallen short, that I've not been a very faithful, good conduit of God's grace, that it, there are at times even where, despite my good intention to care, that I've caused harm then and now, whether it be my brother, my parents, my family, so many countless church family. And to be perfectly honest, many of these folks are no longer near me. They're far and away. They're beyond my periphery now, unfortunately. Some have died, and some are just uh, far and gone. But I still pray for them. I pray for them in particular ways, one of which is I pray 
for the people around them who would be, for me, perfect strangers. I pray for strangers in the midst of those whom I love, that they be hands and feet of Christ in places where I've failed, that God's perfect grace, though it was imperfectly shared through my vessel, that other strangers can be God's vessel to complete God's good work in their lives. You hearing me? Parents, uh, when our children go away from us, whether it be to school, different town, for whatever reason, you better believe we should be praying for strangers, all those who will be in the midst of our loved ones. And this is no so different from what we've encountered here today. So, at some point in our church life here at Marsh Park United Methodist Church, all of us here, we were strangers. Remember the first week of July in 2018? Of course you don't, I do. It's my first Sunday. I was a stranger. We were all strangers. And I believe that somewhere, at some point in time, people who love you prayed for you as you were going away from them. I like to believe that people who love you pray for you that you would meet strangers in your midst who'd be the instrument of God's grace upon your life. That's what we talk about within our staff and our clergy at Myers Park UMC. Uh, we pray, we hope, and we trust that all those who walk through the doors of our church, whether it be in person or virtually, that we connect with them, treat them, love them, care for them, pray for them, just like we would wish for the strangers to care and pray and de demonstrate grace for those whom we love. What would we desire anything less? Uh, prior to coming to Myers Park, I do visit uh, hospitals and nursing homes and hospices now, but not as much as I used to. In, in, in previous churches, I remember going to a lot of nursing homes and hospices. And, and one particular time uh, I was visiting uh, there, there were a handful of folks who were in memory unit, Alzheimer's, advanced dementia. And some of the church folks told me, Uyan, you don't need to go visit them so often. They won't remember you at all. In fact, the moment you leave, they'll forget that you ever were there. And I thought about that because it was quite busy in those days. I, it's still busy now. <laughs> what am I saying? And I thought to myself, no, I want to I wanna spend time with them. I want to be fully present with them, talk to them, do my best to listen to them, hold their hands, pray with them. I want to visit those folks like I desire others to visit my grandma who's in the last years of her life as she suffers from Alzheimer's. I want to visit folks as I would want strangers to visit my mom and dad when time comes for them because they're not close to me. I want to visit them as I want others to visit each and every one of you uh, when you should find yourself in those places. We are imperfect vessels of God's grace, but thanks be to God, through Jesus, that there are others who will perfect the work where we've not completed. That's the work of the church. That's what we're called to do. And we trust that God's grace is and will be, always will be, enough for you, for me, for our church, and for the world. Thanks be to God.
Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. God ever-loving, we turn to you in uncertain times, trusting in your steadfast love. When we are anxious about the future, when we are overwhelmed by our responsibilities, when we fear the conflict or violence of daily life, bring peace and hope and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy. God of all compassion, when we are lonely or isolated, longing for love, when we are trapped in unhealthy relationships, when we're grieving the loss of someone that's beloved, bring courage and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy. God of tender strength, when we feel pain in our bodies, in our minds, or spirit, when illness has eroded our hope, and when desperation fills each day, bring healing and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy, God of trustworthy truth, where leaders work to guide communities to renewed life, where individuals strive to care for the earth and its vulnerable inhabitants, and where people stand up against unjust policies or practice, bring wisdom and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy, O oh God, in whom we live and move and have our being, where hope flickers, reignite its power. Shine the light of Christ's love into each life and renew our trust in you as we pray together the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We're so grateful for your generosity that makes all the ministries of this church possible. This summer, our youth are traveling many, many different places on mission trips. They couldn't go without you. So even though you don't travel with them, you make possible their trips and their missions. And on their behalf, we offer you their thanks.
receive our gifts as tokens of our gratitude for your goodness to us. Bless them so that they become seeds of generosity, bringing life to others. In Jesus' name, amen. May the grace of God be with you, friends, as you go forth from this place, remembering that the grace that we share, though it may be imperfect, together it is perfect. With God, it is always enough. So may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.